stuff. And I'm Anya. And we are the Mindful Mavens. We're so happy you've taken some time out to join us today. Steph and I, between us, have about 40 years of combined experience in the health and wellness field. And through the years, we've had some fabulous conversations in support of each other, in support of clients, and had this crazy thought that the things that come up in conversation might be of interest to you. So please join us for our journey of light and love and everything in between. So I have two quick tangents, or not tangents, but two quick sort of things that came up for me. One is I came across something that said somebody shares something hard with you, particularly a young person or anyone really there's a way to respond where you say do you just need to be heard or would you like to problem solve together and I really am trying to adopt that which I think is fantastic and then the second thing is I had brought up with you the other day about this dear friend of mine who had a surgery is just on the recuperation end of that and is facing another surgery and is just at her wits end a little bit about that and so I wondered if based on what we had talked about the other day, if you had any insights, because you have worked with people to help them unwind some of the stuck energy from a recent surgery, maybe in preparation for another. I don't know. I don't know if I'm wording that correctly, but what I was trying to say is the other piece of it is that you said, well, we might've already talked about that. And I was like, yeah, but that's the kind of stuff we talk about all the time. And, and I do think sometimes the layers of uncertainty and pain and discomfort, they don't necessarily behave well and happen in a nicely buffered time between, right? Like sometimes double shit hits the fan. Sure, yeah, we're not always life. (laughs) Yeah, life doesn't come in neat, tidy waves. Yeah. Um, It sometimes comes in tsunamis, for sure. I do think that, I'm not sure if, This conversation is a little abstract for our listeners to really understand what we're talking about. But uh, my understanding, my recollection is that your client has gone through a fairly recent surgery that was difficult, that was traumatic, that there are some lingering things going on that were either not resolved fully from that surgery or that they're still working through in their healing from that surgery. And then a second something has come up outside of that thing or that there is a potential second surgery coming up to further resolve the initial? So the hope is, is that it will allow for the final healing of the initial one. We'll kind of dovetail into the first one. Yes, because there's now this potential for this other thing that was known to be needed to be fixed is now potentially causing some ripple effect in the original surgery and maybe not allowing the healing to happen all the way. Gotcha. And I've certainly had it in, in clients in my own experience, so I'll speak kind of more directly to that. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. speaking as abstractly, but certainly clients, for instance, who have gone into a first joint replacement knowing that they'll need two joint replacements and really not being happy with how the first one has progressed and being that much more hesitant to go into the second one. Right. Is that, does that feel relevant That's to... That's close enough for now, yeah. Okay. It's a really tricky thing. And, and I think more often than not, what I try to come back to is the shift in perspective of, I understand that healing can be frustrating. And I understand that some healing processes are more frustrating than others. And if you had not done this surgery... 
would you be better off than where you are now? And almost invariably, the answer is, well, no, I'm still better now than I was before surgery. I'm just frustrated that it's not even better. And I think that can be a helpful shift in focus where it's, okay, you're not where you want to be. And none of us are if we're struggling with pain or dysfunction. It's not where we want to be. It's not the the existence that we would wish for ourselves or others. And had we not done this particular surgery or, or procedure, do you think you would be better or worse? And sometimes the answer and is yes for a couple of my different for sure. clients. And, that and I that would is, be worse. No, sorry. I sometimes w- it would be I, I wish would be I had worse. never done it. Yes. Right. And that's absolutely reality. Yeah. Reality. It's super hard to hear um, that. Yeah. I had a client who had a hip replaced and their healing went remarkably well. They were very healthy, very fit going into the surgery, and their healing was great and complete. And their experience of their new healed state is that there is now a leg length discrepancy. Uh And it doesn't have to be very big. It can be millimeters to feel really weird. And they are really very acutely aware of that. And it is now their new existence and their new reality. And they have a lot of regret around doing this surgery and around having put it off for as long as they did and really done all the research they could possibly do to find the right doctor to do the right thing, to do it at the right time of year for them where they could really commit to the recovery and to the healing. And they're very disappointed because they're now dealing with a new set of circumstances. How many months out now? As the uh, healing nearly four. Yeah. And it's a challenge too, because as a healthcare provider, I am constantly reminded of the prudence in reminding clients that there's a reason they say it will take a year to two years to fully heal. Yeah. Four months in, I understand that feels like everything is back in place and it's wrong. And it's not. There are compensation patterns that we are yet to unwind. There are issues with potential new scar tissue that has laid down that could be disrupting the ease of movement, things kind of settling back into the right place. And in this particular case, I have a lot of respect for this client because they're also continuing their research and engagement into the process and looking into different types of physical therapy that could be dealing with hip joint alignments that have nothing to do with the length of the bones because there has been some imaging to suggest that there is no discrepancy. (laughs) And the only thing that makes me sad in this process is that they are getting some feedback from some of their provider team that is suggesting that they're kind of imagining it. Uh Uh-huh. Which is unfortunate. And I mean, we've addressed this before in, in, this, in the context of you have a specialist who is laser focused and so talented and so skilled in doing the one thing they do. And when the patient comes back and says, I have this other thing that I'm noticing, then that initial provider doesn't have uh, the tools to give them to say it is totally normal and could have something to do with how the scar tissue is laying down and potentially working with a pelvic sp- floor specialist could be helpful or working with a PT who helps to unwind some pelvic discrepancies could be helpful. And they 
don't necessarily have the experience in the next stage of their solution because that gets passed on to the next specialist. So I, I'm very pleased that this person, this client of mine is taking the steps that they need to, to explore additional practitioners to help them get through this next stage and has not yet completely given up hope and just chalked it up to the original surgeon made a mistake and now I'm screwed, which is a very easy place to get into where it's just that hopelessness of this is now the new normal and well, shit. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is is so such a crucial piece of what we can offer because it is a bit more of that generalist view and we tend to see many stages of the initial problem, the decision to address the problem, the surgical solution, if it happens to be a surgical solution, or the decision to embark on physical therapy and how that client then progresses through that process. Or if we are a part of that process and kind of helping to address muscular, neuromuscular, systemic alignment issues, systemic balance issues, that I think by the nature of our involvement with our clients, it affords us a broader view. Does that make sense? Yeah. It is a charge that I take very seriously. It is a responsibility that I take very seriously to try to see as much of the big picture as possible and to acknowledge when and where there might be an opportunity for a variety of different practitioners to contribute to the solution that I may or may not have. Right. And I think we've talked about this a lot and that's maybe what your hesitation was. But at the same time, I well, I just really appreciate you saying that because it's nice to be able to offer different perspective, especially because sometimes we are privileged to be able to see the progress pre, post, and then post, post, post. Sure. <laughs> and what other adjustments are needing. And yeah, very interesting. I also am fascinated by the piece of the puzzle that involves helping the psyche to adapt to the new norm, right? Like, I like things like EMDR and EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. I like offering a quick tapping session so that if there is a piece of the snagging that is the psyche saying, no, no, I don't like change. Anybody who's gotten bifocals or a tooth repaired, there's that new bite and it takes a while for the brain to say, oh, clunk. Oh yeah, new. Right. New right? is not bad. New is just different. It's and just different. How yeah. do I make peace with that? And to me, I've feel like I've started adding in a little tapping EFT into my session sometimes to help shift whatever piece of the puzzle could be part of the psyche, adding a little bit of disruption. For example, the other day, a client of mine who's a dear friend, she had some strong allergic-like reaction to something, but it was lingering for weeks and she couldn't get rid of it. And I was like, well, you know, let's just tap on it and see if the body wants to let it go. And she left the session just so much better and slept completely thoroughly that night. And I think it's been improving since. And, and not to say that there's an absolute link there. That was totally empirical. But I do think adding that in can be very helpful for people when appropriate. Absolutely. And they can add it for themselves, too. I mean... EFT or emotional freedom technique is something you can find on YouTube, all over YouTube. And it's a little odd 
at first to do it, but not for the people who do it, because then we realize like it can be extremely really helpful. profound, mm-hmm. simple, simple, profound, profound results sometimes. Right. Well, and I think to to your original question, which is you know if this client of yours is now facing potentially a second procedure, one of the things that I come back to is. When something feels hard or we've been dealing with something and then you're going to pile a second thing on top of it, allowing yourself the freedom to just imagine that things end up even better than you could possibly imagine. Right. Allow yourself that freedom. Allow yourself that gift to say, okay, I understand that there's fear there, but just take a deep breath, close your eyes, visualize that it goes even better than you could possibly imagine. Right. Because if you can imagine it happening, then you allow for the potential and the possibility for that to happen. Yep. Right. Yep. There's that. And then the second thing I often come back to is you can do hard things. Yeah. The Glennon Doyle words. You can do hard things. Yeah. Like I love Glennon Doyle for yeah. that because she's made that such an anthem. Life is hard right now. You are going through some tough shit. You are absolutely I am not going to minimize that I am not going to try and and say that you know oh this too will pass oh this too no 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 you're in it and it sucks and you can do this yeah you can do hard things and of course I also see the things all the time that says you know I'm really tired of being patted on the back for being good at surviving hard things I just want things to not be so hard for a minute right could you just give me a freaking break? That would be nice. I mean, I love that I'm a warrior. I love that I've conquered so many things and so many hard things. And I, I would just like to not have to right. for a minute. Yeah. And we get that too. Yeah. And, you know, and that moment of you, yeah. you, you got this. Yeah. You can do this. I talk about a client often currently because he's kind of an inspiration. He's an older gentleman. He just turned 94 and he would be thrilled probably to hear this episode and know that I'm talking about him because he's he's an advocate for living your best life. And he is absolutely the gold standard for doing that. So he turned 94 roughly a year ago, went through something really hard, which resulted in a surgery, which didn't go well, which resulted in a second surgery. And when he had that second surgery, he was able to actually heal and get back to it where He spent six months kind of on a slide and wondering if this was maybe it and was able to find the practitioner said, no, I'm not giving up on you. There's a different way to do this. Let's take a dive. And I understand you're not thrilled about a second procedure, but I really think this could turn things around for you. And he was willing to do that. And I tell the story often where he'd been on a walker for six months. And after the second surgery, about four weeks post-op, came in with the walker, but basically charged at me running (laughs) just to indicate how much better he was. And it was so delightful. And his healing skyrocketed after that point. So to your client, I would say, you know, sometimes that second procedure, that second surgery that may or may not be related, that may or may not be the carrot at the end of the stick that maybe this will turn the first one around or kind of allow that to proceed in a more positive, faster healing trajectory. Mm. Maybe that's a analogy that you could offer. Yeah. And he was 94, right? And I can tell you that, you know, without any hesitation, his healing has so much to do with his mental resilience. Yeah. And yeah. unwillingness to accept anything less than his best self. I love that. 
And I will go back to also you said initially, you know, um, see yourself doing things that you want to do, right? Yeah, or imagine and it going better than you possibly could, exactly. right? Exactly. I had a client years ago who had to have some procedures done and then they fell and needed an actual hip replacement. And because it had been sort of sequence after sequence of just distressing, not fun things for a couple of years, this last blow was very difficult for this person. So I remember saying, okay, I'd like you to tell me about what you're going to do once the hip is replaced. And this person proceeded to tell me about a walk they had always wanted to do in the Cotswolds with their beloved. And so the hip replacement happened. And then almost a year to the day of the hip replacement, they booked tickets to the Cotswolds and did a walk with oh, their I beloved love that. and had a great time. I love that so much. And sometimes you have to set yourself a goal. You have to set, I mean, I don't I say all the time, you know, when it comes to like stretching and body care. I'm like, you have to set yourself happy traps. The little things that you're going to trip over and be like, oh yeah, I should do that. Oh yeah, yeah I should do that. Yeah. Set yourself some long-term happy traps, right? Yeah. Like you want to book the thing, plan the thing, believe that you can do the thing. Yeah. And and that's amazing. And that what a beautiful example of that for you too, to even invite her to dream, right? Yeah. To invite her to because believe so that it could be done. She was so distressed and you could tell it was, she was just worn down by all the pain, all the suffering, all the... And I was like, well, I mean, the only way to really sort of tell the story a different way is to say, I'm so excited for my trip to the Cotswolds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To be able to do this thing again, or to be able yeah. to do this thing that I've been thinking about. Yeah. And I will be yeah. there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, so, I love it. Well, it's, I mean, it's the magic of, again, cliche, right? It's the magic of positive thinking. It's the magic of believing that something can be true and being willing to do the work to get us there because I believe that this will happen and it's not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. I need to fully engage, but I'm going to get there. Yeah. I'm going to give a big shout out to Pam Grouch. She's one of my all-time favorite authors and has a little group of several women and she calls them the possibility posse and they have agreed to focus on the ways that the world is working for them instead of the ways that it isn't. And so they each text each other three things that went well today kind of thing you know oh, I love it's brilliant that. yeah and she calls it the the fp the field of infinite possibilities and so anyway she has a really really good several books i highly recommend all of them and uh i can list a few of my favorites in the show notes absolutely yeah. well and we've we've referenced before that you know there are people who've written magical books on gratitude journaling yeah. and going out with the intention of, I am going to write down five things for which I'm grateful today. That's whether it's the snail on the sidewalk, yeah. whether it's the rose that just bloomed in my neighbor's yards, I was walking by and I saw that and it made me smile and I'm grateful for that smile. Yeah. The book you're referring to is called The Five Minute Journal and it's promoted by a company called Intelligent Change and they do actually teach a little bit about positive psychology and the fact that if we focus on gratitude, we absolutely documentably change our psyche and our story. Absolutely. So, and and recognize and see yeah. it more often and more frequently exactly. and more abundantly than we did when we started. And people who are depressed, they pull themselves out of it by doing something this simple. And it literally takes 
two minutes in the morning and three minutes at night. So that's why it's called the five minute journal, which I am definitely blatantly promoting. I love them and I really recommend them. <laughs> and then I'll tell us a final story if, if we're winding up, but I love Jack Cornfield's work beyond beyond. And he is an incredible storyteller. And he tells this story about a little boy did I tell this one already? It's about a little boy who loved Maurice Sendak's work so much. I think you might have mentioned it, but it's a great story. So oh, please, please, gosh. please retell okay. it. So he, <laughs> he loves Maurice Sendak's work so much. And he's little. And he says, Mom, let's write a letter to him. So he writes this letter. Dear Mr. Sendak. His mom helps him. Dear Mr. Sendak, I love your book so much. Blah, blah, blah. And he draws him a little picture. And, Ms. <laughs> and Maurice Sendak writes back. Takes a blank postcard and draws... I love One it. of his characters on it and on the back and he says, dear little dude, thank you so much for your letter. It made my day. Have a great one, Mari Sendak. So then the mom writes back, dear Mr. Sendak, my son loved your card so much he ate it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack's like, yeah, that is a kid who doesn't know that that's going to be worth $10,000 someday. Right. He's just living in the moment. He's you just know? absolutely living and loving that moment. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> and on that note, because uh, it's not related at all, but it is um, <laughs> that love you. The podcast you shared with me with your friend Gina. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. What was her last to. name? So her name is Gina Martin. Gina Hi, Gina. Hi, Gina. I don't know if you're a podcast listener, but I hope you will be. <laughs> I'll send it to you directly. Was a a longtime mentor of mine who uh, headed up the. Uh, teacher training program at the massage school where I studied. And so she was, she's someone for whom I have an immense amount of affection, not only as a, as a soul sister, but as a mentor and a teacher. And she has a book out. Tribe, she has a series of books. And the third one's about to come out. And the first one was called Sisters of the Solstice Moon, Walking the Threads of Time. And she is here. Yeah, so Sisters of the Solstice Moon. Yeah, and she's being interviewed on a podcast called Home to Her. And it was part of my my deep rest day that I listened to that podcast, Home to Her, with Gina Martin being interviewed. And the whole premise of Home to Her is Home to the Divine Feminine. And at one point, Gina says something like, I'm a, she didn't say pathological, but it was, she says, I'm a path, I think she said something like, I'm a pathological op optimist. And I was like, <laughs> all of a sudden you felt the resonance in your soul and oh. your heart and you're like, I know you. I know you. I'm in you that know tribe. me. I feel so heard. <laughs> but she tells this just gorgeous story about, you know, synchronies and, and how she has to be hit over the head with a two by four by by the cosmic two by four. Yeah, the cosmic <laughs> two by four. And so um, it's worthy. It's worthy of a listen. And I think also just because I'm so leaning to the divine feminine in the last decade or more and just loving that there's places like that to go to for women who are ready to retire the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we're making big statements or anything. <laughs> Not that we're making big statements or anything. But I think that was also lovely that I was listening to City of Girls and then this podcast and just, it's just, yeah, there's just so many lovely uh 
Well, and I love the synchronicity in that, right? Yeah. Where you were already reading City of Girls yeah. or listening to City of Girls. And then, you know, I happened to come across this because I follow Gina and her her journey. And I thought, you know, God, Steph would just love this I interview love and yeah. would love her. Yeah, I did love it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I love so. that that entered your field of field of awareness yesterday and in, in your deep rest yes. and your self-care. Yes. That's great. Yes, yes, yes. So. No, I love it. I think it's great. I think the perspectives on life that we are afforded are a gift. And, you know, we also talked about gratitude and the I get to versus I have to and how fortunate we really are, even even in our pain sometimes, to have the opportunity to explore that and to see what it is that we're supposed to be paying attention to. Yeah. And do you know the quote that you put up this week, too? One of my clients took a picture of it. Oh, I know exactly what it is. Oh, it good. says, do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not. But remember that what you now have was once among the things you only hoped for. Nice. Right? Yeah. I feel like that's a great reminder where I'm like, oh, right. All right. Well, I could talk all day because I have another story in my head, but I think oh, we've come talked. On, tell me the story that's in ah! your head. I want to hear all of them. <laughs> Well, I just had a flashback <laughs> to, um, you know, being in college and I didn't, you know, I was always marveling that people would buy expensive sport gear for themselves. I was like, where does that money come from? Like, right. how do people afford this stuff? This was me with, you know, whatever. But I remember, nickels you know, in your pocket. Yeah, I just remember, <laughs> I mean, and you know, I remember also being like, okay, do I do laundry today with my four quarters or do I buy a yogurt? You know, like, because yep. I just, it was just that kind of That's thing. That's why but I worked three part-time jobs in college. I know, like, right? I was, yeah. Yeah, me too. And, and then I remember, you know, traveling, 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 and people were like, how are you traveling so much? You must have a lot of money. I was like, actually, <laughs> actually, I have no money. You know, I just worked, I worked, um. I worked, and instead of buying anything, I would buy plane tickets, you know? Right. And when I'd get to where I was going, I had no money either. Well, priorities, right? <laughs> and I would just live on a shoestring, but I was in another country. So, yeah, so what I w why this memory came up is because I was thinking of, you know, that anticipation and, and also, you know, buying a stereo versus buying a plane ticket to Spain or China is two different things, you know, totally. for me anyway, it was very, it totally is. Yeah. yeah. And yet, you know, somebody who's saving away and squirreling away nickels and dimes for that stereo is very much looking forward to that. But that's also a value. Totally. For right? me, it was, I just had no interest in, and I had no space for, and I had no capacity to conceptualize, but somehow my brain was al allowed me to buy plane tickets. And I'm just so grateful for that. I love that. Yeah. And I mean, I have many friends who in this in this day and age and in, in the today times will spend massive amounts of money on live music and concerts. And I think that's amazing for them. And they derive enough joy and that yeah. that is a, an absolute treat and a pleasure to do. Or and, a must have in some cases. Or a must have in yeah. some case, right? Yeah. And for me, eh. I mean, I will happily turn on Alexa. Alexa, right. play me whatever music. Or, you know, Spotify will, uh, like, brainlessly kind of play me some genre of something, yeah. which is fine. I think my current favorite is and there's a mix or a station called Coffee House Alternative, which yeah. is I don't have to think about, but it's just on in the background. And every once in a while, it's a familiar tune, yeah. and I'll bop along, and it's kind yeah. of background. And I just don't have that 
relationship with music. Right. You know, where people are like, like you even asked, you're like, who sings that song? And I'm yeah. like, no, no idea. idea. Yeah. No idea. It's not how my music, how my music catalogs brain, how my brain catalogs music. And yeah. I might have a song or two that has significance in a moment in time, but I don't live and breathe music. And right. to me, live music is not necessarily hierarchically better than listening to it in the comfort of my own home. And I, for me, I am a homebody right. and listening to anything, doing anything in the comfort of my home is almost always going to win out. Right. And at the same time, I love traveling. Well, and I wonder if the live music thing is uh, more about the energy of the the crowd. Possibly. Right. Just for like sure. the, just like the CU football team is having an incredible season this year and they had two home games in a row and the second one went into two overtimes which and very late right like, like the game set out at like got out at like or midnight or 12:30 yeah. right and so i happen to have a window open and i live i mean probably a good mile and a half two miles from the stadium or more i could hear the ending of the football game mm-hmm. and and i thought you know i think this crowd energy there the scientists who study that probably have a lot to teach us about why we go to live events mm-hmm. why we support with all our heart and soul for those who do a specific team even if they're in a losing streak because when they get to this point where they're in a winning streak there's nothing like it right, right. There's, there's probably a massive nothing energetic like it. payoff or like think about all the the people who've been attending the Beyonce and Taylor Swift concerts. Absolutely. And, and, and those are going to be probably core memories for them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the energy that comes with, you know, there, there was one video I saw that it was a whole plane full of young ladies and their moms probably who had attended a Taylor Swift concert and they were stuck on the tarmac and so they all just started singing and oh somebody videotaped that and <laughs> and they're all singing taylor swift together after right. they had just seen her right what an amazing experience. so i think singing and bonding you know and the energy that comes from those experiences is another way of of having community and being on fire and being lit up by this thing we call you know society and having a body and I'm sure that there are some fascinating studies done about the connectivity that you know like I wonder if even the the connection hormone which is oxytocin if that's getting released when you go into a physical environment with that many people all celebrating something together well, for the people who are looking for that and respond to that, I do when you say this, I'm like, I'm getting anxious, Yeah. right? So for me, that crowd energy is a lot. It and is a most lot. most of the time, it's too much. It is. Right? I have, in my life, had moments where I have never felt so alone as when I'm in a crowd of 50,000 people. Right. Right? Where I feel so isolated and so disconnected because... I don't want to be there. Right. Right. Where it is just, oh my God, it is too much and I need to leave. And my urge to flee is so strong yeah. that I'm like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta but, go. And for me, yet the idea or the story that you, that you said about the people in the airplane, that is delightful because now you're all responding to a common stressor. Yeah. And with a joyful thing. With a joyful yeah. thing, yeah, right? Yeah. And so my heart fills when I hear that. And I'm like, yeah. that feels... And it's also what, in an airplane, you have maybe a couple of hundred people yeah. versus 
the tens thousands, of tens of thousands, thousands, which just absolutely stress me the heck out. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm very much in that same boat with you. I don't go to big events like that, but I'm psychologically and sociologically fascinated by why crowds get so whipped up into almost ecstasy. You know, like you think about like the the soccer f- experiences, Fans, sure. especially in Europe, and and I mean, there's a reason they call them fanatics. Yeah, they're they're re- it's fascinating and yeah. So again, I I was like, well, I shouldn't bring this up because it's gonna open up a can of worms. But but it is a can of worms, and here's what it brings up for me. Yeah. So I had a very strange date with a guy from Match.com a thousand years ago, <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, I could go down a rabbit hole on all of those weird dates and all of those strange. Wait, humans. Maybe that's an episode because <laughs> they, my friend Sharon also did a lot of that, and oh, she God. she started actually doing a bunch of research about it because it was so bizarre. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, so offshoot before I say the story that I was going to start with, there's a book that I picked up at some point, which is hysterical called Lessons I've Learned from Girls Who've Dumped Me. (laughs) I just, I just dearly love that book. But this one particular oddball that I went on a date with, and thankfully we ended up at a, not thankfully, very intentionally at a bar where I knew the bartender. And, Smart move. you know, there were, there were, oh my God. Okay. There were trips up to the bar where he was like, shots. <laughs> and I was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> this is in my twenties or thirties. But anyway, one of the things that drew me to him, which ended up being one of the strangest things about him was that he had written a book called the God part of the brain. Ooh. And I'm now curious to almost go back and see right. if I can find it or look it up or take it out from the library or whatever. Yeah. But of course, he ended up expounding on the entire book for the entire time that we were together. And I was like, well, you're a snooze. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> but as I recall it, and again, this was at least a couple of decades ago, so memory being what it is, who knows what I've transmuted. Um, but his concept was fundamentally that there are regions in our brain that essentially light up, uh, that are lit up by fervor right and he and the fervor being equated to faith and that there is a religiosity is that a word I think that's a word um there is that we respond to chemically that our brains are wired to want and crave and need and that have very predictable results and outcomes in hormone release and that it is oxytocin, it is serotonin, it is dopamine, it is all of these reinforcing things that our bodies are innately setting up reward systems. His thesis was that in religious fervor, there is a very specific sequence of things being released by the brains of those people that make them inclined to seek that. Mm-hmm. And that reward them for that fervor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was a fascinating concept. Yeah. I have no idea what his name was, but I would. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to look up the book, I, I believe it was called The God Part of the Brain. Yeah, interesting. Um, but it was an interesting concept. I just didn't need to hear all about it on a date. Yeah, that's not um, date and just, material. And just sidebar, mm. he also showed up on rollerblades. And I was like, uh. Whoa. Hi. Uh. <laughs> I mean, oh man, the dating thing, right? That's a whole other, that's a whole other. 
Okay. Um, I could talk all day. Anyway, we could always talk and we could go on forever. But dear listener, thank you so much for taking time out with us today um, for a giggle or two. And certainly if you want to hear any more about, you know, dating life and the dating scene or you want to contribute stories, we'd love to hear them. Feel free to email us at mailmavens at gmail.com. Leave us a voice message on speakpipes.com slash mindfulmavens. And we would love to hear from you. And we are on the socials at mindful.mavens. Have a wonderful, wonderful whatever awaits you. Yeah, man. See you soon. Yeah, woman. (laughs) (laughs) Rock and roll.